What's up, all you beautiful people? Happy November 11th is when I'm recording this. <laughs> um, winter seems to be here. It's getting a lot chillier out, uh, which I'm loving, making the sauna all the much nicer. Um, but yeah, what's new? You know, making music, making podcasts, just started uh, this film class. It's like a seven-week directing and producing class. Had my first uh, meeting last week, which was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, just getting stoked, getting ready for my birthday next month. And life seems to be chugging along rather nicely. We had... Uh, we had an election, and uh, I think, well, most people around these parts are pretty stoked on that, and half the country is not, um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of shenanigans befall us all over the last, over the next couple months, um, as, uh, as Mr. Trump spends his last few months in office. Um, that, that I'm, I'm foreseeing an interesting winter, at least politically, hopefully whoever's in power can get us all the, some much needed, um, like relief, like relief, some much needed relief. Uh, cause I know we all need it. I know I do. Anyways, all that being said, my guest today is a true gem of a human, uh, one of my favorite people. Um, I met this guy up on the Yuba River at this at a hippie hang, and from the first moment that I met him, he was just was just the kindest, most sweet and genuine person, and uh, real supportive um, for the art, for my music, and uh, that man is none other than. T. Luke, Lucas Domingue, I mean, I think I said his name right, sorry Luke, if I got it wrong, but T. Luke is what I know you at, know you as, um, and T. Luke has got a band called T. Luke and the Tight Suits, and they play, uh, kind of a mix of Zydeco and funk and soul, and as you'll hear us talk about later, we kind of go into... Uh, the background of that and um, the fact that we both have these dads that that uh, were these band leaders in the Bay around the same time and uh, just hearing the story of, of Luke's own musical journey and um, it was really fun sitting down to talk with them. This one feels really crisp and uh, and you know efficient if you will but but still real genuine and heartfelt and I had a total blast doing it. Um, so without further ado, let me introduce to you my boy T. Luke on this episode 18 of the Bartcast. Great to hear from you. What a surprise. Thank you. 
and a hippie mom. The metal game was always being pushed strong. <laughs> you been drinking hella nettle tea lately? Yeah. She's been brewing it up at home. Yeah. I mean, that's what's good about having a good, you know, North Bay girl. Is they got the knowledge. She's a good witch. She's taking, like, some witch course. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Learning about all the local... Yeah, all local the local herbology. herbs and shit. Yeah. What, is there any other any other herbs that have recently come into your life? No, not really. Just the ones that go in the tea bag? I mean, honestly, just from being, like, there's tons of mint. Mm-hmm. It just grows up and down the where the creek rolls mm-hmm. through. You got a lot of spearmint up on Sonoma Mountain? Um... I don't know if it's spearmint or not. <laughs> I don't know what type of mint it is. Can you eat it? Is it yeah. like good to eat? Yeah. Kind of got those like blade-shaped leaves that are serrated. Yeah. It's probably spearmint. Right? Probably. It yeah, it is. It grows like super like gangbusters yeah. in the shade. It's yeah. not like direct sun always. It goes gang. It's all up fucking all over the place. Uh, you know, growing up, me and Tony, we grew up in this little duplex. And uh, in our backyard, it just grew everywhere. And, just pick uh, it, put in some just, water. Yeah, just, some I would always eat it growing up. And then when we were in middle school, we, and and throughout our, really throughout elementary school too, we were going to at, at our at Drake High School where I went. It's Francis Drake, soon yeah. to be renamed Coast Miwok High. What? Yeah, they're doing a whole name change. Why? Because Francis Drake is a controversial character. There's a lot of. Uh, a lot uh wow they're shutting it down huh? yeah there's a lot of people that um think he's a fucking scoundrel think that he's a scoundrel and he was involved i've heard like numerous you know different sides of the issue but i think that the people in favor of changing the name are feel very strongly about it and i feel like a lot of the people that are against it kind of almost are just against it because people feel so strongly for it in this age of divisiveness, you know? Yeah. Personally, look, I loved... Drake never meant, like, slave owner to me. He was always just this, like, privateer who would, like... Apparently was hired by the English to, like, sabotage French ships. And I always thought he was kind of a scoundrel in, like, a positive sense. But at the same time, like, if people are feeling... Like, I'm not going to die on that. It's just a notion of how he lived his life. And if people really feel that strongly about... Getting a change, dude. I think Coast Miwok is a is a dope name for a high school. Like, all oh. respect to the Miwok, you know. Wow, it's crazy because it's like a total fucking one eighty, right? Three sixty, totally. But for, I got nothing but love for the Miwoks, for man. sure. I'm ha- I'd be proud to go to Miwok High, you know. They were there before he was. Totally. So, anyways, all that suffices to say, we had this basketball camp called Pirate Camp because it was the Drake Pirates. Gotcha. I hope you know. Miwok Pirates, I don't know how people feel about that, but I loved being a pirate. I loved that that was my mascot. Going to high school and I was a pirate, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Pirate Camp was this dope basketball camp at Drake that they do every summer. It was the coolest thing because you get there, you got kids from all over, you know, probably a couple thousand kids. Yeah. Day one you get in and the whole morning... They're just doing assessments. So you're doing all these drills and, and like basketball yeah. clinics, fundamental stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, for, you, you get there first and all the coaches 
uh, come and announce themselves. And mo- like half of them are like a little bit older, and then the other half are kind of like seniors at the high school. So they're right. guys like you might go watch the high school basketball game and oh this guy's showing up at your camp and he's going to teach you basketball now. Yeah, yeah. You're watching him hit threes. You know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and uh, so. I taught a bunch of those camps. Yeah, so you do the assessment in the morning, and then in the afternoon of the first day, you know they have their algorithm. They put you based on your skill levels on a team, and then in the afternoon you meet your team, and you have usually you know a coach might be a high school guy, and uh, and your team is one of the teams in the NBA. So like for the young boys, you're in the Eastern Conference. For the older boys, you're in the Western Conference. So the team name you might be on. As it, you know, when we were younger, you're on maybe the Pistons or the, right. you know, the Pacers or the for Celtics. Sure. For and, sure. You know, was, we all wanted to be on the Warriors. You know, of course. You had to wait till you're part, your older boys to earn that privilege. And, uh, and then for the rest of the week in the mornings, you're doing skills, drills, clinics and stuff like that. And then the afternoons, you get to play games against the other teams. Yeah, and it all ends up with like a championship yep. game and oh, a yeah. gym, and it's dude. That's it's exactly so much how fun. the camps went that I used to coach. Okay, did you ever do? They had the like JC. a Lavin camp in the North Bay, right? They did, but I just did the Santa Rosa Junior College one, the Bear Cubs camp. Tight. Well, suffice it to say, the whole yeah. Purpose but I used to tell them this. I used to go to the little one when I was little yeah. too, to one in Sonoma. Dude, but that was like the best week. I feel like I even heard about the one at Drake. It was really fun. But anyways, the reason I brought I brought it up was that me and my brother, the night before, like every night we would go and fill our water bottles, and we would stuff just tons of spearmint in the water, and then freeze it overnight. And uh, mom, or I, you know, I'm sure our mom actually did this, and we just thought we did it. But shout out, Mama Annie. Um, but then the next day, you know, it was hot out. This is July. So throughout the day, the heat of the day, our water bottles would melt, and then we'd have like the most refreshing mint ice water. Oh, it sounds amazing! It was our secret weapon for like our crazy, you know, basketball game back in the day. Yeah, it's, it's the mint water, baby. You know, vital. How you been, T. Luke? What's life? What's life been like up on Sonoma Mountain, man? Just, just hanging, man. It's yeah. good. It's been like, it's been, you know. Nice and steady. Got off the mountain a couple, you know, last week. Went up to the waterfalls up near Shasta. That's right. You told me a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Went to Bernie Falls, McLeod Falls, which is three different tiers of falls. Oh, damn, like a cascade? Yeah, pretty much lower, mid, and upper falls, which was just gorgeous, man. Gorgeous. Mossbray Falls is more of a low-key place right there near Dunsmuir. Dunsmere. So it was good to get off the mountain, you know. But at the same time, it's like you can never complain being up, being up on top of Sonoma Mountain. When you live in you know, paradise, got, got the family right down the road. Right. But it's funny when people come up there and they, everybody's blown away. But you know, people start to be like, "Oh, you're out here in the middle of nowhere. What? It's not that far away, you know." But it feels like you're in the middle of nowhere. Right. So we got yeah, the, the, we got the pond up there. We go swimming in the pond. The, the, did you? Uh, when you went to Shasta, did you take a, um, did you put your face in the the headwaters of the Sacramento and take a get, take a sip? Oh, I took a dip. Nice. Did, I did took you a take dip a, for did sure. Did you drink I, any of it? I didn't take a sip. Okay, it's a leap of faith, but dude, that water's fit to drink. 
It's the best tasting water I've ever tasted. Okay. okay. I went there uh, with the, a couple years ago with I was with with the honey drops on tour, and we went, we did like a little stopover. Did we an Lesh stopped in Shasta to talk to the Lemurians, you know, and we went to uh, we went to a hot spring too. Oh yeah. Right near Big Bend. Tight. And uh, super weird town, just out near, kind of like a maybe forty five minutes from Bernie. It's just like one road that heads out there into the woods, two lane road, and uh, yeah, you just kind of roll up to these, you know, to this creek. You can see where the entrance is, park in, hike through a little meadow, go up, and there's a, it's called Cosk uh, Hot Spring, I believe, mm. and. There's like four different pools. Like four, nat- are these like natural pools? Natural or? hot springs. Oh, that's yeah. the best. So that was that was amazing. Were they hot? Oh yeah. Nice. So we hit that up, and then we went um, we went up and, and camped up there up up the road a little bit. Super eerie campsite. We were like the only ones on this in this campsite. Was which, it pri- a private one? It was public. Okay. There was just nobody around. Yeah. It was right on the reservoir, so like the wind would come through, you know. Kind of creepy, spooky at night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was like a shotgun shell on the table. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, dude, you get up there. every night, but we still, we made the most of it. Uh-huh. Had the dog with us, you know. There you go. What's your pooch's name? Milo. Milo. Great. Milo and Otis. Classic. Classic film. He's a chiller. A little pity, you know. Was that just a little weekend getaway kind of vibe? That was a we left on Monday, came back on Thursday, so it was a couple nice. just a couple days, mm-hmm. a couple days during the week. Man, it's so that's like such an unexplored part of California for me. I've just done the one drive through Shasta, but that landscape is like I feel like it's so Lord of the Rings. Highly recommend it. So highly gorgeous. recommend it. It's weird because it's like Redding is so dry and flat, you know. It's like Redding's known as like the, one of the sunniest places in. California, it just gets sun all day. But if right. you just drive out a little ways, yeah. you get in the mountains and these amazing waterfalls. Wow! So yeah, it's worth the ride. You know, totally. good to get out there and get get camping. Try to get the you know get the guitar out, play a couple of tunes, there the campsite, get the spirit of the music flowing through you. Get some dipping you know, in with your lady love. Yep. And and on the home front, man, you how's it, how's the uncle life been treating you? It's been good, man. It's yeah. been good. You know, um, it was weird with COVID mm-hmm. because, you know, especially for an infant, newborn, you know, babies, you want to be extra careful, obviously with elders too. Yeah. But, um, but it's just amazing being right down the street, you know, you can just go, you know, whatever. Call, hey man, let's play some music. Yeah. I get They'll to walk by, you know, you see, see on a, come say what's up. Uh-huh. So... She's a cutie. Yeah, I've only seen the pictures, but she looks so beautiful. And she's such a cutie. Are you seeing like little pieces of Bo and Arya? Creep yeah, up, creep up in her. Yep, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Does she have the boat, the 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 Bradbury sparkle? <laughs> or the, yeah, the boyer. Well, she's a, you know she was still so she's still so little. I haven't seen her in a. I want to see her a couple weeks ago. Okay. But you know her, yeah. She's definitely got the sparkle. They carry around a little sheepskin. That's you cute. Know, basket. Yeah. They've been down in Arizona, right? For a while? They were down in Arizona for a little while, get away from the smoke. Nice. 
but uh, that's my that's my you know that's my girl. Yeah, and you you were telling me you're playing. You got a couple dates coming up. You're playing in uh, Sebastopol like this weekend. Thursday, Thursday, Friday, tomorrow, tomorrow, bro. Bo and I. Okay. He, you know he does stand up bass and uh, he brings his guitar out too. Cool. And we just jam, dude. We just jam. I don't think I've ever seen Beaumont he's been play singing. upright. He's been singing. What? Beaumont on the mic? He's been singing some, man. It's not his like forte. He, he kind of has to, you know, get outside of his comfort zone a little bit. But he sounds good. He sounds better and better. You know, he's a natural. Hey, so, man, I pay money to see Bo it's like, you know, out of his comfort any, zone. That doesn't pick, happen often. Yeah, he picks anything up and he starts playing it. So, I mean, the, the vocal's no different. He's been writing tunes as well. So. Nice. So he's doing the music thing. That's and great. I think it's good that we can get out and just do do a couple things. Then Winona, of course, on Friday. So Thursday. Shout out Winona Wagner. Yeah, Thursday, 4.30, at the Region in the Barlow in Sebastopol. Awesome. And then same thing Friday, except Winona's playing with us for the last hour on Friday. And it's like a first come, first serve thing. 40 people only. Okay. So it's regulated. It's Is this like an site. outdoor seating? It or must indoor? be, right? You can't do anything indoor still. Right. So I haven't really seen the space, but all things considered, it's got to be, you know, cool. a little a little outdoor hang, probably, you know. Um, what time is it? Did you say it was on Friday? Four thirty to seven thirty. Nice little dinner time. Little dinner time hang. Cruise around the Barlow. Go to right. the Fern Bar. Perfect. Shout out to the Barlow. Yeah. Crooked Goat. I played there last Sunday. I do a solo thing there every last Sunday. Oh, cool! So that Dude, place, Rona Residency, bro. Good vibes, you know. <laughs> plenty of space. Plenty of space. So. See, that's awesome. And Winona, it has an amazing voice. And I'm, every time I hear, I'm like, why aren't you doing this all the time? Like, yeah, we, we, yeah, and especially when she's got a little band backing her up. You right. know, we, we we already named the band. We'll both threw a name out there: Winona Wagner and the and the uh, and the Wonders. Yeah, mm. so we already got a name. We're the fully, Wonders. We're fully legit. That's dope. I, how there, how has there never been a band called the Wonders? That's a great name. That's got like that old. It's a soul lot of was. It's a lot of was, but you know, it's, it's like a lot of dubs. It's good. Yeah. The W, baby. Yep. That's tight. Um, For the win, the triple win. Cool. And are you doing like a mix of her songs and your songs? And we are doing. A lot of stuff that she does that's okay. mostly covers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we're just kind of, she she gave us a list and we're just going through uh, and learning some, some of her, you know, tunes, kind of folk Americana tunes. She's also throwing in kind of like some Irma Thomas. She got a little soul in there. Mm. Um, and we'll mix it up, do a couple little sing-alongs. You know, we were even, we were even messing around with Cabbage Alley. Just because it's such a just a great little funky sing along that you can harmonize on. So we're That's trying to work up some harmonies and getting that going a little bit too, which is fun. Nice. And Bo's just playing bass, or is he bringing percussion too? Or? Bo's playing bass when Winona is performing with us. So I'll be playing guitar and harmonica mm-hmm. and backing her, and he's playing bass. We're backing her up with a little some vocals here and there, but you know, she's she's the we're trying to put Winona in the spotlight. Hey, she's got a lot of beautiful Amen music to, to you know. To give to the world. That's so. a good-looking band too. You guys are all some pretty folk, man. That's oh, well, thank you. That's thank a, you guys. Are, that's a good-looking trio right there. Yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll see I what might we even can say do. Wondrous, wonderful. Yeah, there we go. There's a lot you can do with the with the wonders. Exactly. That's cool, man. And that's kind of you know, 
I didn't do a, a, a ton of prep because I just love talking to you and we can just talk forever about anything. But the one thing that I did, like if, if there was a central theme or a, a story I wanted to make sure we covered tonight, uh, I just wanted to, you know, kind of cover your own story about becoming this musician and playing in, in your band, but also talking about like your pops. You know, I, I lost my father earlier this year in January and uh, I know that our pops both, you know, were these kind of larger-than-life figures that had their own band. And, yep, yep, you know, yep. I've only really heard kind of second-hand snippets about Gator Beat and Yeah, the musicians, your the, father. the music. It's uh, definitely, like you said, it's woven into the family. It's woven into our, you know, our roots, uh, like culturally, you know, spiritually. And so for me, I mean... It was always, music was always in the house. You know, my dad was, uh, you know, classically trained on piano, starting at the age of six. Wow. He started doing classical piano. And then, he, you know, he grew up and he studied that, and so he could read music and do the whole thing. And, you know, started writing music young as well. And then um, my great, you know, my great-grandfather, Lucas Domain as well was a musician. Does that you are you his namesake? Is that where you got your name from? Yeah. So my great grandfather was Lucas, and then my grandfather was also Lucas Junior. So there's kind of a. So you're Lucas the third. Yeah. Essentially, they skipped one for some reason. You know. (laughs) I don't know. My my Papa Luke didn't want to name any of his of his sons Lucas. I guess he just he had and he had four boys. I don't know. You know. Right. And they were all musicians too. So all my uncles were musicians too. And, and I mean, none of them were full. I mean, my uncle Mark, he was, uh, you know, he, he's got stories about opening for Clifton Chenier and playing, the, you know, New Orleans Jazz Festival and Festival International. And so he was in the scene pretty big until he kind of decided to go, you know, and then he decided to go just focus more on work stuff. But he still... And these guys were all living in New Orleans? They were living in Lafayette. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's where my uncle was kind of based out of, and that's where they were all from. Um, so, and then my uncle Ron was also a musician. He was a badass bass player, and he toured with Zachary Richard, went up to Canada, and did some runs with him. Who, you know, he's a big, he's a big name in the South and kind of up in Canada more. You know, but um, and then my uncle Greg was talented, but he he never really got into it. But he could still play a little bit of piano and stuff. But then my dad was kind of the only one who really went for it. And it was a little bit later, but, you know, he was always, so it was always in the family, you okay. know, going back generations. Because, uh, I mean, you can look up. Um, I posted a couple little things, but my great-grandfather used to make, like, double-neck and triple-neck guitars, you know, seven-string oh. guitars, oh, eight-string guitars, uh, you know, like, multiple necks in the 50s, you know. So he was, like, he was kind of crazy. <laughs> he was smoking that. That that hippie stuff back yeah, then, I yeah. think, and just like getting getting weird with his instruments. Um, do you yeah. do you have still any of his old inventions? I do. I have an eight string guitar hanging up in my living room right now that he handcrafted. Oh shit! Uh, back in the fifties, is it playable? Um, you know, I never really tuned it up and tried to play it. I bet I could. You know, I might need a little grease in those tuners, and but it's it's more so just like a. You know, I got a picture of him playing it, and it's just yeah. kind of like something that, you know, is kind of there for an artistic piece, I guess. But my uncle has a triple neck guitar still. What? Uh, you know, 
all the pickups wired up. Picture of him sitting back, smoking a cigarette, playing his triple neck guitar. So he was kind of the guy, and he gave my, you know, my uncles and my dad their first instruments. And the story goes that, that he had a little grocery store in Doosan, Louisiana, which is like 10, 15 minutes outside of Lafayette, right on the train tracks. It was me and my sister. We'd go down there and visit my, you know, my great-grandmother was still around. She lived to be 95. And great-grandma, she didn't speak very good English. You know, she always had like a French accent. Okay. You know, but I just remember, still remember the smell of the house, you know, and just... She always make us popcorn, and we just sit out on the steps and watch the train go by. When I was young, little, I was probably, you know, I was probably I don't know three or four, yeah. three, you know, three or four, five years old. You know, we'd we'd go down there and um, sometimes in the summers and and for Christmases and stuff. Uh, but they had a grocery store. So they had the main house, and then they had a grocery store that was basically right next to it. So they sold, you know canned goods and a deli and the whole thing you know and people would come through all the guys who were traveling on the train they'd stop right there they'd come to the grocery store get their sandwiches or whatever and get back on the train and my great grandfather had a little shop space in the back where he built all of his instruments and you know worked on accordions he would work on accordions he also played accordion so this is like you know in the 50s and then the my- dulcimer deli <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like, you know, it was kind of hidden in the back, I'm yeah. sure. I mean, you could only imagine, right? You like, run this grocery store, and he's like, you know, all right, sweetheart, I'm, yeah, I'll be back. I'm going to go work work in the shop for a right. little bit. Yeah. I'm get, you know, smoke some of that hippie grass, mm-hmm. and, you know, start start making a seven-string guitar. Like, why not? But he tried to sell all that stuff to Gibson and Fender. Okay. And they just told him he was crazy. And then, of course, in the 80s, you got, you got all these rock and rollers playing double neck guitars, mm-hmm. man. It's, it's too bad. I could be retired right Jimmy now. Jimmy Page, you know, yeah. If Fender and Gibson would have just listened to my Give him a great-grandfather, I'd be tired right now, you know? Right, right. I'd be like, I'd, have, I'd be a part owner. And... Uh, dude, I feel you. My, my grandpa. The rock and roll history. My great-grandfather used to own the land that uh, Disney World now sits on. Where the NBA Finals just took place. There you go. And the family legend is that he sold that land to the guy that sold it to Walt Disney for two hundred bucks. For yeah, for like <laughs> pay, like you know chicken feed. Yeah. And uh, apparently Hobart, this was Hobart, the original, and Hobart the second, my great grandfather, or my grandfather, sorry, Hobart the second, was like pleading with his with his father like. Just hold on to some of it. They're about to build the highway through here, pops. Like, yeah, this land's yeah. gonna go up, and he's somebody just can like, see the future, see see yeah. the see the opportunity slipping yeah. through. They had a big he's fight like, nah, about I'm it, up. and he's like, "Nah, I want to grow oranges. I'm done with this." Like, and so yeah, same story, you know. Yep, yep. So, <laughs> but yeah, he was a he, he was he was really into it. He did some really cool pieces, which you know, I, um, I got some cool photos of. I'll put them up. I know I got a picture of him somewhere on my social media playing his guitar in that photo, but I'll put some more up. I'd love to see um, that. So if anybody wants to check him out, they can check him out. But uh, so then my dad, you know, classically trained. He also picked up the guitar, started playing. He was really serious about his education as well. He went to Harvard, studied philosophy, graduated from Harvard. Um, and then when he got back to Louisiana, I think he was kind of getting into the scene. He, he was. He was actually, I think he was having a hard time at this point. He was probably, you know, mid later 20s after he'd kind of traveled around doing his thing. He's getting back into music. Um, and he's, he did it, you know, he played like New Orleans funk. He would like to go to like, you know, 
go play with the funk at the funk scene. You know, he would tell me stories about kind of just going going to, you know, basically, you know, cross town and hanging out, you know, with the black community. Other side of the tracks. Learning the, the kind of roots of the New Orleans funk music. So he got into that for a while. He was a, now your, your pops was a singer and a guitar player? He was or, a, he was a, or a uh, piano player, sorry. He played, well, he played piano, played guitar, he played accordion, and he, and he did vocals. Gotcha. Uh, so, and I mean, he did kind of all that stuff on his records when he was with, when he started Gator Beat, it was about 89, and he was mostly, he was doing guitar, really, and singing, and then he would play a little accordion. Um, and that kind of is where later on, so he was in the funk scene, learned that, kind of got rooted in some stuff, R&B, all that, and then um, a little bit later on, after he figured out, you know, definitely don't want to do the family business thing, huge, uh, you know, he, he was like um, a huge advocate against Vietnam, which caused a ton of friction between him and you know, my grandpa, my grandfather, mm. and just being in the South, you know, you're in Lafayette, Louisiana, and you're basically a liberal, you know, it's not, not a good look. Right. For, you know, making friends <laughs> <laughs> with that aren't, you know, that are kind of... Of know, the establishment. Yeah, exactly. So he ended up coming out, he ended up getting kind of sick with his asthma down there. He had asthma too. And uh, he ended up moving out to... Uh, California, and there's some good stories about that. Him and his buddy Dennis Kern, he put out the movie The Big Easy. He was like a film producer, Dennis Kern. He came and visited visit us one time out here. But Dennis took him out to California. He told me a story. He just threw my dad in the back. He was so sick. My dad was kind of just bedridden, you know, exhausted. He's like, hey, I'm going to California. My dad's like, all right, get me the hell out of here, man. I'm fucking done with this place. You know, he threw him in the back, and he's driving out to California, and I guess they're, you know, he just kind of, Started getting better, and their car broke down. My dad was a mechanic for a little bit in Louisiana, so he kind of ventured into a couple other things. And uh, and Dennis told me this story about like my dad finally getting up, you know, and starting to get back into the groove. And he he could fix the car, and he just kept telling Dennis he had to walk back to town to get certain parts, you know. So he'd tell Dennis he had to walk, you know, he'd walk three miles down, get the parts, walk <laughs> back, to, you know, to bring him the parts so he could fix the car. Fix something that you got to go get this part for me. So he walked back to town a couple times, <laughs> and then they fired up the car and they got to California. And then he landed. The reason, he, the other reason why he came to California is because of the Sonoma Mountain Zen Center, which is you know that's right across the street where where I'm at now, where where Bo's at right down the street, yeah. which is kind of you know goes full circle. Um, and you know he just started basically living out here and. He was doing like rock and roll and stuff, you know. He was playing like ZZ Top mm. shit. What year was this that he came out? Uh, this was like the um, early seventies. Okay. Early to mid seventies. Gotcha. Um, that he came out here, so um, he was in his thirties, you know, and so then he was doing the rock thing, and then he started a band called Wild Honey, and that was more like R and B, and they would cover like, you know, kind of a range of stuff. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, it kind of went away from the whole rock thing. It was more blues. They had this kick-ass singer, harmonica player named Judy McDowell, Juju. Uh, it was also original stuff. They started writing, so that kind of was going more into, like, R&B and, um, you know, blues. You know, they play, like, Help Me and, and uh, um, some, uh, you know, like I said, some All One Brother stuff. I can't really think of the bunch of their song lists. I've only heard a couple of recordings actually. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm trying to think of one. Uh, Rio de Janeiro Blue, I think was one they covered. Hmm. Uh, and so they did that for a little while, and then he started figuring out that the Cajun thing was getting big, like out in, for some reason out in this area. And that was in the late '80s when he started Gator Beat. And if you listen to Gator Beat's first album, it was like there's funk, there's New Orleans style, there's blues, there's Cajun, like New Orleans Cajun kind of the, with like a second line behind it. So he was blending these styles. And I think he could kind of see it coming because in the 90s, Zydeco was pretty big, like in the South and out here. And there was like a whole Zydeco circuit. But so that's kind of my dad's story. And that kind of what that covers, you know. Uh, kind of his evolution and kind of yeah. coming from Louisiana. Obviously, in Louisiana, there's just so much music. Did they tend that... to? Did, did Gator Beat tend to stay like pretty regional? Like they, they do like na- national tours, or was he... they were pretty much West Coast? But they got like they went down and played Brobridge Festival, Brobridge Crawfish Festival, which is hard to get into in one of the bigger Cajun. You know, that's in Louisiana. Yeah, okay. it's in Brobridge, right? Which is pretty close to uh, Lafayette as well, um, right in that area in South Louisiana. And probably only because it was like original. They wrote he wrote, he was writing original music, which was Zydeco based, but he also would do R and B and funk still throughout basically the whole thing, you know. And some of the like the one that we you know love to cover, one of my you know the uh, the borderline tune, you know, it's got that like beat behind. So you know they'd mix it up, but anyways, I think the main thing we were talking about is how that the music spirit of the music. And the, you know, the notion that it's like, it's just something we do. It's just something mm-hmm. that's around. Uh, and you can't really get away from it. You right, know, no. like I still just, there's not really a day. I mean, and I'm doing, you know, especially with this COVID thing, it's just without being able to really get the band together, which I miss, you know, and uh, we will, you know, as, as soon as possible. But just getting together and playing with people is great. But you start to realize when you don't do it, or, you know, like, all right, something's missing here. You know, there's a huge piece of my soul. <laughs> that great is big it. hole in my heart. What is yeah, it? <laughs> and just getting out and seeing it, enjoying it too. But it's also just like the fabric of where we come from. And when when you have that upbringing, first off, we're incredibly lucky, you know, because you get exposed to a lot of music. Like one of the first albums I like listen remember listening to was Dr. John's Greatest Hits, you know, back in the day. Right. And just being like, whoa, man, this is cool. And I could put that record on right now and just just let it roll man. that's one of my favorite records totally, you know? totally. so yeah so that's like so i don't know that's that's just what it is you know you you're like you know you're kind of married to it <laughs> I, no i feel you but, about that because you know my whole life especially as i got into like my, my late teens early 20s and i started getting out of my scene went to college and i started realizing that like just how much uh, you know, there was some music that contemporary music that I was into, but like the vast majority of the music that I loved was this old R and B blues soul kind of funk kind right. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that like, I would meet people that never had that. And I started to realize that like, I'm very sensitive to music and I could go to a party and depending on what was being played, sometimes I'd feel more at ease or not. But if there was soul music playing, I was always at ease. Right. Didn't matter necessarily what was going on at the party. If the music was good, I felt safe. Yeah, yeah. And then one day, I was going through some old home videos, this little old VHS that my that my uh, my folks had given me, 
and there's this video of my dad holding me and I'm six months old. And in the background, it's like, he's like, it's like Jeff Beck and he's playing, you know, Little Feet and he's playing like, like the music that he's listening to is what I listen to. And right, suddenly there's sure. this light bulb. And I was like, oh, like. That's why it feels so good. Right. Like that's why I'm, this is like my early conditioning to, you know, what I feel safe with. And, you know, and that growing up just, you know, I hear you talking about your dad and the, and the years that he was gigging. And I'm like, dude, there's no way that our father's bands didn't play on a, on the same bill at yeah. one point. Because my dad was, his area largely was the North Bay. He was right. always at Sonoma County Fair. For sure. He was like yeah, playing yeah. like in Katati, left and right. Like he was, you know, he played around. He did some touring and stuff. But like the North Bay was definitely like the Buddy Owen you know, Buddy Owen thing. And he played yeah, like, scene. you know, blues and rock and R&B kind of oh, stuff. Oh, they must so. have. I'm sure they did. And the community, the music community isn't that big, especially when it comes to those kind of no. certain styles, you know, the blues and Zydeco and the Cajun and the funk, those all kind of, they, they all cross over. My dad's from Florida and, you know, he always, you know, he always had a soft spot for the Cajun way of life. You know? Yeah, He man. definitely... Had that, you know, he had a, a splash of that. And you like, know. You, and it kind of goes like what you're saying about, you know, if you're at a party and the music's right and it feels good, it, you know, even subconsciously, you even know, and obviously it being musicians and music lovers, you know, you kind of notice like if, you know, you just, you could, you take note and it does, I feel like, you know, you know, you got, you got to have the good tunes going. It's just part of the, makes the good, the party a good party. Right. But also it's like. Cajun music and culture, it kind of just blends together. I mean, it's it's all about good music, good food, and good drink, you know, and just having a good time. Yeah. And those all go together. And I think, like, you know, I, when, you know, with my band, with the Tight Suits, we, we kind of just go, we play all kinds of stuff. Um, and we play a lot. We do play the Zydeco stuff. We do play some Cajun stuff and some waltzes and we throw it in there and, and but man we mix it up too just depending on how we feel or what's going on and I think you need that out here like if if you're in Louisiana you know they it's just something about that area and the and the culture you know you could just you rock it all night and keep those keep the Zydeco and Cajun going and, and you could you can do that uh, you know, we can do that at certain parties, but just in terms of like certain, you know, scenes of the music scene, you know, it's, I feel like it's good to have some, um, you know, mix it up a little bit because yeah. I enjoy it. But So when did you, when did you get started? Like, I mean, I'm assuming you played growing up, but like, what, do you remember what age you were when you were like, I want to make a, I want to form a band. I want to start performing. I want to. You know, I was, like, young when I started playing the drums. You know, like, two or three years old, probably, okay. when I started banging on the drums. You know, I've seen, like, footage of me. Like, just, just you know, I wasn't really playing at that point, but I'd just get the sticks, and I'd, hit, and I'd just hit the cymbals or whatever. You know, my mm-hmm. foot couldn't even reach the pedal. Making noise. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, I remember really digging the drummer that my dad had in his band. And he's a badass. He's a absolute badass. Willie Jordan. Um awesome dude and he plays with elvin bishop now mm. he plays cajon and sings with elvin bishop yeah uh and they're still doing doing the damn thing i saw him open uh was it 
John Cleary that they opened for? Or was it Dr. John? I can't forget which one of those shows. Mm-hmm. I think it was Dr. John that they opened. Yeah, I think they op- they did open for Dr. John this is years ago mm-hmm. uh, at the Green Center. Nice. Dude, Alvin Green. played on my, one of my dad's albums. Yeah. Yeah. Legends, man, yeah, legends. Totally. Uh, so, but I was super into Willie, and so I think that's probably part of the reason why I jumped on the drums at such a young age, because he was just such a badass. I remember him doing drum solo standing up, <laughs> and he would just kick the shit out of the drums. I yeah. mean, absolute, just beat the drums down. Uh, and sing, you know, and he was an amazing singer. So I was doing drums when I was younger, and I probably from like three or four, whenever I could kind of start playing, to like, seven eight nine i was pretty serious about it <clears throat> i remember taking a couple of lessons but mostly i just like to have fun mm-hmm. you know i always had the drums set up you go back and kick the drums you know play along with some stuff uh you know or just me and my dad would do a little jamming and hanging and then i kind of took a break you know for like probably i mean I'll, i still would play a little bit but i wasn't like an avid you know student uh probably at nine or ten um at that point i kind of just I got really into playing ball, man. I was like, right. that's what I love to do. And so I was playing a lot of ball, running around, riding my bike, you know, skateboarding, getting in trouble, you know, just just being a kid. Right. Just being a kid and having fun and hanging out with my friends. Um, you know, I certainly wasn't like, you know, staying home and playing the drums on like Friday at, you know, six or seven o'clock. <laughs> like, <laughs> you had stuff I'd, to do. I'd dabble a little bit. Yeah. Friends would go, oh yeah, let's hang out in the studio and kick some drums around. Oh yeah, I can play a rhythm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I mean, and then my dad passed away abruptly in 2005 and we had played a little bit. I was homeschooled in eighth grade actually and we did, we did some music. So he'd teach me a little guitar, teach me some blues, just basic, basic stuff. Right. You know, teach me the one, the four, the five on the piano, real mm-hmm. basic stuff. And at this point I'm like, you know, uh, you know, just getting into like, I'm like 13, 14. So I'm just dabbling a little bit, dabbling a little bit. And then, I mean, I always, but I always loved the music and I was into all kinds of different stuff. I was into hip hop, mm-hmm. you know, I was into just, you know, some, some rock, whatever. I went through phases of different stuff. Um, and, but then really after my dad passed away, it was like, well, all these instruments are sitting around here and, you know. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to start picking them up and play them. And this guy, Dan Golfis would come over, uh, and he would just, he just taught me how to play guitar. Like literally out of the kindness of his heart. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm going to teach you how to play guitar. Was there <laughs> here's any... how you play an E chord, mm-hmm. you know? And here's how you play a, you know, F sharp minor. Yeah. Did you feel any pressure like in those early days of like, like you had this legacy to fulfill or to carry or not at all. Okay. That's when great. I was a kid, I was like, I had such an awesome upbringing. I didn't even care, man. I was just like having a good old time. Mm-hmm. You know, we go to the festivals, but that's the other thing about like always being around it, even subconsciously, you know, and it, it's kind of like, it's just, it's like fabricated into your, you know, your DNA. It's there, you know, and obviously you have to exercise it. You have to work it. You have to work your ear like by no means am I like a supernaturally, you know, I mean, obviously I'm, you know, I feel super lucky. I can pick up, I can play the guitar, I can sing, I can do some stuff, but you know, there's different levels, you know, you have to work on it and you have to put in the time. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that like, that's one thing that's also so beautiful about it because there's no like, you know, it, it's going to, 
let you know. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, you're like only as like good whatever, as you, you are. Know? <laughs> yeah, like what, like so many things in life, but those yeah. are the things that you want to be doing. You want to be doing those things that are making you work for it, uh -huh. letting you know, hey man, you you can't take no shortcuts on this shit, you know. Um. So, but yeah, I didn't feel any pressure. Um, and I I just had I had a great upbringing. I was lucky to be in the Cajun culture eating gumbo and jambalaya growing up and mm -hmm. doing that whole thing, even though it's out here, it's still, and I've been back in a little while. I want to make a trip back, but, um, you know, it's just part of that culture and the music. And so just going back to that, you know, upbringing of music and always yeah. like, you know, having that. You Did know. you play with your dad? You didn't play. Did you ever play with Gator Beat? I played with Gator Beat after my dad had passed away. Gotcha. So I was, um, 16 when, when he passed away going on 17 and <clears throat> at that point you know i was in high school uh and was doing a little bit of music but i did go on the road with gator beat a little bit later after i went to college um and bo was on the drums gotcha so me and bo would just go you know rip around the west coast and we went to panticton canada and they did the jazz festival circuit, which, you know, I think the jazz festival circuit, they liked having the different flavors of music, you know, they'd mix it up. But there's definitely like a circuit and a certain, you know, right, you know right. it was like Stompy Jones and, you know, Gator Beat and like Tom Rigney and um, uh, a couple of the guys, man, this big clarinet player, I'm thinking of who was such a character. Um, I can't think of his name right now, mm -hmm. but it'll come to me. So I did that, and I would just kind of go play some tunes with them on the accordion. And then, you know, I started. I really, you know, I always wanted to just play, you know, and perform. But it really happened naturally for me. Mm. I, I really wasn't like, hey, man, I'm going to have a band. And right. This is what it's going to be. Yeah. And this is what I'm going to do, you know. Um, and me and Tony Skenna, you know, Tony, uh, amazing, amazing friend and... We just started as a duo on guitar and stand-up bass. It was like, you know, and then it just kind of fell into place. You know, people would show up. Alex Garcia would come out to the gigs. We'd, we'd be playing. He'd bring his horn. Louis, Louis Rodriguez, Uncle Lou, he would, you know, he was in Gator Beat. He was one of my dad's best friends. I grew up hanging with that guy. Yeah. And he still kicks kicks drums with us. And, there you go. You know, so... Um, and they just kind of showed up. I'm like, hey, let's do this thing. And then the next thing you know, we're booking some gigs. And that's how it happened for me with the with the band, you know, with, with T. Luke and the tight suits. It mm -hmm. kind of just fell into place. It remind so, me, like, how did the tight suits come into the equation? Like, how did you come up with that name? Or what, what's the etymology behind that? You know, it's funny. I actually wrote a song that had it in the hook. Okay. That went like... the it was kind of like a funk song and it was like put your sharp dress on I'll get my tight suit and it's just talking about you know going out with your lady and hitting the town uh -huh. tearing up the dance floor you know or whatever so uh, we just I kind of we were playing that song at the time and we didn't have a name and I was like well you know T. Luke was like you know you put the T in front of your name it's kind of like a cultural southern you know kind of a nickname and you know the T comes from petite for little so you can just call like you know you could be t hobie you know t bart yeah yeah t bart exactly so <laughs> i just picked that up because my uncles would call you know particularly my uncle johnny johnny 
you know, would call me that. And, and, you know, basically these older guys would call me that kind of coming up. And that's just what it was like, hey, man, I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with that. It's like, that's funny because I would not describe you as a small man at all. You're, you're, you're a good size. At this point, you know, at <laughs> this point, no. You know, I always felt like all my cousins were always older than me. I was the youngest of three. Okay, I always felt yeah. like I was the youngest. Right. But, you know, I definitely, when I hit final growing spurt, you know, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't really smaller than anybody in the family. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And how did... Like, how did, like, Bo's family and your family come into being family? That well, that's funny you said it, too, because it was Betsy who was like, it was it was Betsy who was like, why don't you just call yourself the tight suits? I said, all right. Okay. Yeah, shit, why not? Shout out Betsy Bradbury. Yeah, absolutely. Can I call women as guys? Yeah. Yep, yep. But, like, that's, you know, that's, again, that's something, like, I was introduced, you guys were introduced as cousins to me, and then I think later... Like recently, or you were saying that you guys are, like there's not actual blood relation? Or? Yeah, so Beth um, is from New Iberia. And, you know, her whole family, she was she, they, she was raised on there in New, New Iberia. Mm-hmm. And obviously my, my family, my dad's family is from Lafayette. So they knew each other back in Louisiana. Just the families knew each other. And so, you know, my, my dad and Beth... They they went way back to Louisiana days. Gotcha. Uh, and same. So there was kind of a group that moved out from Louisiana to California, um, and and that, and they were both part of it. So, and they both lived at the Zen Center on Sonoma Mountain, you know, and did that whole thing. And that's where Beth, you know, met John, and that's where that's where Bessie was born. And so they kind of all came out and started building their lives out here in California. For whatever reason, you know, they said, well, I mean, for a million reasons, if you right. go take yeah. a, go take yeah. a drive up on Sonoma so Mountain. For a very good reason. You could, you know, you can dig it. Yeah. So that's how, and then, you know, we were all born at around the same time. I mean, there's a picture of me and them and me and the Bradberries on my first birthday, you know, just hanging out. So it's shit. We all just ended up getting into the music and yeah. enjoying, you know, just hanging and being yeah. there for each other and. Oh, it's beautiful. And that's, I mean, that's what we do. Totally. Like, no, I mean, it's just proof that there, you know, it's like family is family, you know, and, and, and blood is blood. And like, one does not necessarily lead to the other. And, yeah, for sure. Know, I mean, they're definitely. I got my step siblings, you know, that are like very near and dear to my heart, you know, even my like stepbrother's mother. I call her my soul mama, you know. Right. And there, there's love there. For know? sure. And so. I call and I call John, Uncle John, and right. Beth Aunt B. Right. And I mean, especially just in proximity-wise, where you're at. You know, you're right down the street. Of course, you're going to hang out and spend more time together. Totally. you got to go all the way to Louisiana to see your real cousins. Right, know? right. Oh, for <laughs> not, sure. Not saying that, you know, I'm not very close and tight with my family in the South, too. It's yeah. just, you know. Obviously, like you're saying, it's just family's family. Know, it's, it's funny, you know, the last episode of this that I did of the Bartcast um, was an interview with my adopted hippie grandmother who, like, you know, my grandma lived down in L.A. And my, you know, similar thing, her daughter was married to the bass player in my dad's band and who had a son that was my age. And so we would go and hang out over there. And she was just like, yeah, you can call me grandmother 
Because my friend always called her grandmother. Yeah. She was his grandmother. Yeah. And there's so, people like yeah. that. Like, that's just, that's a beautiful thing about life, you know? Yeah. And something I feel like we miss in, in this modern, modern age is, you know, in this particular culture too often, uh, is the, fa- is the nuclear family insulated from the larger community? For sure. And I think that we, we isolate at our own risk and that like, you really need to give a, a child as many examples of adult behavior to run the full spectrum. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You got to be able to see everyone from the mayor down to the town drunk. Definitely. So the man. kid can be like, oh, where do I fit in in this For spectrum? For sure. You can you learn know? from all those people. You right. Can, you know, that's, and, yeah. And, you know, that I wish I would wish any child many uncles and aunts and cousins because you're going to learn so many so much from all those people and it does take a village right like, absolutely you're gonna need them yeah you know you're gonna need that you'll need that love and support and and wisdom and i yeah. mean i think you know yeah just being willing to just go outside go outside the box a little bit and when uh, did, when did continue you to grow within that when did t luke and the tight suits like officially like come into being when did you start billing as that I think our first gig was actually in 2012, which is wild to think about because um, it's because it's 2020. Right, eight um, years. And I can't remember if it was 2012. I know in 2012, Tony and I were, were jamming and we were playing, but it was like just duo stuff. You know, me on guitar, him on stand-up bass, mm-hmm. just hanging, playing. And then it's either it was 2012, I believe, was when we first did a Mardi Gras show, and that was our first show. That, was well, that at the Real Fish Shop? That or? was at, up in Calistoga, opening for Gator Beat. Gotcha. Of course, right? Of course. Uh, yeah. You know, our first show's got to be open for Gator Beat. Yeah, for sure. So, and that was, uh, yeah, that was, um, you know, Bo was playing drums, mm-hmm. Tony and Jake and myself. Oh, Jake was on it too. And That's great. It was a family thing, yeah, man. Yeah, it was a family thing. And did you guys, did you put everyone in tight suits or? No, you know, I think uh, the name tight suits can be, you know, kind of put in a box sometimes when really it's just like a totally free and open interpretation to however you want to make it. You know I like I mean? it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, y'all usually wear something festive. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought about getting it like super wild outfits for myself. Yeah. And putting everybody else in suits, uh-huh. just because it might look fun. Yeah, know? right. It's like I'll nice... be wearing some crazy ass feathers and uh-huh. just like, you know, whatever, man, a speedo and some freaking boa, pink yeah, boa, whatever, yeah. you know, exactly a speedo and a boa, and put the rest of the yeah, band dude that in. would sell seats for sure. That... <laughs> in suits and just call it good. I don't know how the band would feel about that, but you know, I mean, you put a band in some nice suits. It's true. That looks clean. It does. It does. Yeah. It does. And maybe, maybe we'll go that route, you know, when when uh, when we get back to, yeah, to you know, getting out there. semblance of normalcy. Okay. And so eight years and uh, was it like two years ago that you guys came out with that album with Borderline? Yeah. It was actually, it was September 2017. So yeah, so Board three years now. Yeah, three years. So yeah, we're I mean we're due for another. You are. But uh yeah, we've we, I think it's still in my brother's car. We we listened to it on the our re, re, like last road trip this right. summer. We were blasting it for sure. Good deal, man. Yeah, Good man. deal. Yeah, y'all are due for yeah, 
you got some, absolutely something COVID cooking get for sure going. You know. Yep. I've been trying to get. I've been on Tony all summer. You know, my brother has been for the last year like really diving into songwriting, and he's written. I don't know, 20, 25 songs that are really fucking good. And I'm like, dude, you've got an album in there. You could put 10 of these or eight of these on an album and they're good enough. Like the world needs, at a certain point, like you got put up or shut up. Like you got to put your shit out there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And he's a perfectionist. Like, oh, I don't know my voice. I don't love it. I'm like, dude, I heard you sing. You're sing great. You know? Yeah. His guitar sounds good. And I've been just, you know, gently and not so gently as a, older brother should i've been trying to like give you know light the fire under his ass and like look man there's no perfect time to make your first album right and you only got to make it once yep but you got to get it out there because totally man you know, these songs deserve to be heard and for they're, sure and they're, they're good songs uh, yeah i think i think too often man i gotta get i gotta get the setup going you know or i gotta get make some calls and get in the studio and get the mm-hmm. guys back together you know you gotta you just there's only one way to do it and that's to just make it happen you know, yeah. obviously just, you know, getting out there, getting out into the world. So that's something that, you know, yeah, we're going to, we're going to have to do. Yeah. I mean, with anything, right? Like this, I've been talking about doing this podcast for like two years and, uh, here we are, man. Well, yeah, I, I had to take account of like, what, what's holding me back. I know I want to do it. It's like, oh, well, I don't have this piece of gear. Yeah. And then I was yeah. sitting in my room one day and I was like, when I do have that piece of gear. Totally. It's right down the street. It's in right. San Francisco. And then I just, you know. Such realistic goals, you know, especially the ones that are real. I mean, like I could say, hey, listen, I want to be, you know, an astronaut. Right. You know, and maybe I could become an astronaut. I mean, you got that all-American look to you, boy. <laughs> but <laughs> they probably put you in a suit. Not that I would actually, you know, go there. But, you know, <laughs> you might look at me like I was like I was a little loco, you know. you might If I was like, yo, Hobie, I'm going to astronaut school starting in uh february mm-hmm. you probably like i'll be like what am to... i gonna do with all these mushrooms bro yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought we were partying man i showed up ready i'm already blasting yeah. off bro yeah <laughs> i mean like, just give me a little bit but you know something like you know it's like doing this or doing you know cutting those albums or you know because yeah. when you, especially when you're writing your own music already you already got the spirit of the music flowing through you you're putting it out there and you so you're already in that you know, in that good space uh, to do it. But what I'm just saying is, you know, the goals, the realistic goals, it's great to let you think like that. Like, all right, what's holding me back? What can I accomplish? And what needs to happen to accomplish it? I mean, that's how shit gets done. Yeah, totally. Which, you know. It's funny how often we make these, uh, we can make the walls so much higher for us, just in our mind, you know, like, by focus, we'll, we'll use some sort of symbolic you know, specific thing and be like, that's why I can't do it. And when you actually end up looking at that barrier that you thought was so tall and you actually like come at it with the full extent of your ingenuity and your love and your creativity, you start to see like, oh, that's ain't no thing. Like that's not a big barrier at all. I thought this thing was holding me back. Actually, it's a small box to check and you know, now I'm ready to do it. I can just step over it. I don't even need a pole vault or anything. Right, know? right. Like, you know, this is episode 18 we're, we're doing here. All right. You know, and like... one eight. I am a podcaster, which is a strange thing still to say, but like, 
when you've done 18 episodes, you get to say that about yourself, you know. And For like, sure. And it's also about whatever you're wanting to accomplish or whatever you're yeah. wanting to do. It just goes back to that. Okay, what's what's hold me up here? Let's, let's Exactly. Uh, is it something I can change, like internally, or is it something externally I need to change? And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, I've been trying to do that with a lot of, you know, I showed you that, that picture that I that I'm just had made, you know, for those of you out it there. Good. I'm, I'm, I've been working on this project of, of taking all this photography that I've been doing and making these aluminum prints, and uh, hopefully at some point I'm going to start having them for sale on my website, hobartmedia.com, baby. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, I showed Luke my test print, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, this shutdown for me has been like a crazy creative period of just like taking time and taking my days off that i need so that the on days i can get the stuff done that i've been wanting to get done and and you know it's a in that sense it's been miraculous yeah such a wild time for me it's been like you know i've just been busy luckily you know i got another profession that right. i'm doing and doing working work. on which is also you know could be time consuming and it makes you realize how much you need the music you know, and how I'm still trying to figure out how to balance all that out because I get when I get focused on something, you go. So, like, that's what I'm doing, right? So, that's one thing as an artist that I'm, you know, thinking about. You know, how do you do that? How do you find that? You know, where's the balance at? Because you got to have both, man. If you're, oh, yeah. you, you know, if you got that artistic side, you got to let it, you got to let it free, you know. Hell so. yeah, dog. Well, shit. Um, what do you think? Do you feel like playing a song? Should we? Are you feeling like you're ready to be done? What? What? Should we keep going? What are you feeling right now? Did you pause it? What's What's the time frame? No, I didn't. What's the time frame? We're at about fifty eight minutes. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. Damn, that was an hour. Right. Wow. It goes back like that. That's crazy. I'm about to put you know for all you out there you can live vicariously through this but I told T Luke if he. If he drove all the way down from Sonoma, that I would cook him dinner. So we got a nice chuck roast. Been marinating a couple days, ready to put that puppy in the oven. Maybe hit a little sauna, you know. That's the life right here in Oaktown, baby. That's the life out here in the town, you know. We got we in the town. Sauna steaks, baby. <laughs> Make sure you get you a ribeye out there. You know, but yeah, I think maybe we should end it with a little T. Luke song. Is there anything you've been working on or anything that you feel like sharing? Or not well, to put you on the spot or anything. Yeah, you know, I've been learning a couple of Alan Tucson tunes, playing them, mm-hmm. you know, for fun. He's great. I've been I've been working on a couple of originals, kind of like folky, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, so, whatever. If whatever you... So I'm going to... Whatever you want, I'd love to hear something. Yeah, I'm going to do Southern Nights and just do, Hell do yeah. a little bit. I've been loving. I've been digging all my Alan Tucson for That's sure. That's great. Let me, let me get <clears throat> He's one of the best, man. Southern nights. Have you ever seen a southern night? Precious beauty lies deep beyond the eye. Running through your soul like them stories of old southern skies. Have
Have you ever noticed Southern sky? Her precious beauty lies deep beyond your soul. Feel so good. Feel so good. It's frightening. Wish I could stop this world from fighting. La da da da. La da 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 da. That old man, he and his dog walk in that old land. Every flower touched his cold hand As he went walking on by The weeping willow would cry for joy Southern nights Have you ever noticed Southern nights Well I apologize To anybody who could say They have seen a better way Yeah, dude, that sounds good, man. Yeah, T. Luke in the building. Dude, your guitar sounds great, man. Having some fun. Sounds real good. Well, thank you so much for coming on thank Bart you for Cast. Me, Bart. Much love, love you, brother, and it's so good to see your face. Love you too, man. And uh, where can people uh, like? find your music if they if they want to go check it out we got the album out on all the platforms you know itunes and um spotify and all that stuff t luke in the tight suits it's out, um, it's, out, it's out right now it's out yeah okay. it's out on all those platforms what's the name of the album borderline t luke in the tight suits borderline yeah and then you know i'm mostly posting stuff on social media right now Basically, all I'm doing is mm-hmm. mostly solo duo stuff. Okay. And uh, but every last Sunday at Crooked Goat, and uh, we've got the website at tlukemusic.com, okay. which we will update once we, you know, cool. get some, get some, and some what's more the, stuff lined up. What's the Instagram handle for At tlukemusic. At tlukemusic, sick. Yeah. Hell yeah, buddy. Well, dude, so good to have you here on the Bartcast. Much love. You sound great. And, uh, all y'all out there, go check that shit out. And uh, yeah, man, we'll have to bring you back on. Uh, Take good care when we get and, this second album out. So much we'll love. Be playing some music out there soon. Hell yeah, doggy! Let's go eat some steak. Right on. Well, there you have it. T. Luke. Man, I I, I really enjoyed listening to him play. Uh, and I encourage any of y'all up in the Sonoma area to go check him out, T. Luke in the tight suits, or 
you got to check out the Wonders, the Bay Area's new super group. I can't wait to see these guys live when such things are permitted. Um, yeah, that's the show. Uh, I'm working on getting some new guests in here in the very near future. But uh, in the meantime, um, I'm going to leave you guys with a little something that I made yesterday for my boy Ben Malament. Shout out Ben Malament. Uh, it was his birthday yesterday, and I decided I wanted to make him a little birthday rap or something because we like to freestyle sometimes. And uh, I sat down in my little home studio, and next thing I knew, I was like, it just what unfolded was a song and uh, sometimes you just got to make the song. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to end with that. And uh, you know, <laughs> it's not that long, but don't feel like y'all don't like y'all have to listen to the whole thing. If, if you ain't feeling it, but I hope you are. It's a, it's a little funky jam that, uh, that I created yesterday. Um, and yeah, I guess that's it. I hope y'all are, doing well and uh being kind to each other and um may you all live lives until the next time that are full of uh peace and acceptance of the things that you can't change and the fortitude to to find a way of grace when dealing with the things that you can much love Hello there. This here is a song about a very good friend of mine. A man named Benjamin. He's so cool. He's even got the word jamming in his name. So why don't y'all put your hands together and let's sing him a little song. It goes a little something like this. What's his name, y'all? Help me sing his name. Ben, 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 ben,
Amen.